2: Let me introduce you to our latest sponsor, the Andre Law Firm. Andre Law can represent you or your business in a variety of civil and commercial matters. Do you have a client that has proven difficult to collect from? Andre Law also specializes in collection law and can expedite your collection on judgments from your defaulting clients. The principal of Andre Law Firm is Tony Andre, a North Miami native with years of experience representing businesses and individuals throughout the state of Florida. Based in Aventura, you can give him a call at 786 786 Seven zero eight zero eight one three, 708 813 or visit his website at andrelaw.com. Again, give Andre Law a call at 786-708-0813 to set up your consultation.
3: All right, I want to talk to you about a new sponsor of ours, and it's one that's very relevant to the moment. They're a new division of Greenview Construction, and they are called Making America Clean Again. Making America Clean Again holds certificates in bacterial, viral, fungi, and mold cleaning treatments. They offer professional cleaning, sanitizing, disinfecting, and sterilization services to a wide range of residential and commercial projects. You can do overnight ozone UV generator treatments or even permanently install UV-ionized advanced oxidation technology into your HVAC system. Now, we know and understand, and quite frankly we hope, that businesses across the state and nation remain shuttered as long as absolutely necessary. Necessary to beat back the spread of the coronavirus. But when that time finally comes, having that certificate to display at your workplace showing that it has been properly cleaned by a licensed professional and maintained will go a long way to restoring that customer trust. So for more information, you can look up Making America Clean Again. You can go to their website at www.macainc.net or you can just call them at 855-561-6653. Again, that's 855-561-6653.
1: Welcome to 3 Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon.
2: And we're on, and welcome to another edition of 3 Yards Per Carry. I'm Alfredo Artiaga. Simon Clancy is here. Chris Kaufman is here. And yes, we were not around last week. We are this week. But Kaufman, Chris Kaufman, has a question for Simon. He asked them off air, but now he's going to ask them on air.
3: Go ahead, Chris. I just want to know if you call cookies biscuits, like what do you actually call, what do you call biscuits? Like biscuits and uh, biscuits and gravy biscuits. Like,
4: Well, I mean, first of all, we wouldn't have biscuits and gravy because we're not savages. Um, <laughs> but biscuits are just biscuits and cookies are cookies. So the things that you go and buy that have chocolate chip in or whatever, they're cookies biscuits are just biscuits you know like chocolate digestives or bourbons or custard creams or things that you dip in your tea Mm. cookies are just cookies um
3: like a a butter cookie or sugar cookie or something like that would that qualify wouldn't that qualify as like a biscuit to you
4: i mean it's the the clue is in the name chris it's cookie (laughs) But also, uh, what is a sugar cookie or a butter cookie? Oh They're just cookies. God.
3: And you're calling us uh, savages? You, you, yeah, you can't. Yes. You, can't, you okay. know, the, the butter Did cookies, you, the mo- the fa- the fam- most famous brand of them is Scottish. You can't tell me you don't know.
4: I mean, it, there's nothing Scottish about a butter cookie. <laughs> you know, you, you Americans might have bastardized the idea, the fantasy, that because you're all obsessed with Scotland um, and Mel Gibson. But actually, it's got nothing to do with Scotland whatsoever. I mean, I, I think I think any conversations around food and drink when it comes to relations between England and America needed to have stopped 48 hours ago when that video was released of that woman putting, making a cup of tea, where she essentially took a cup, filled it with water from the tap, put it in the microwave, and then put in a, a tea bag. That is not how you make tea. But that was how an American made tea. What? And he, wow. one, one that's, of the most that's not, that's not how saying. you make tea? Most American houses I've been to don't even have a kettle. How are you supposed to make tea? I'll <laughs> just leave that one floating. You can take your cookie and shove it with a kettle. In shy. the
3: microwave.
2: Okay. Speaking of tea, what is it what is a okay, crumpet?
4: Don't make tea in a, a crumpet is like a little sort of round cookie sized, although not cookie size in America because everything's five hundred times bigger than it is in the rest of the world. Um, but it's a sort of a a cookie shaped, sort of fluffy Biscuit. kind of griddled cake. Is no, it no, a no,
3: cookie, a cake. A cookie,
4: a cookie, a cookie. No, it's a crumpet. It you just cookie described cookies. it as like a cookie. A cookie. <laughs> no, this is like these are much lighter, they're like fluffier. Scone, no, maybe? scone's harder. Okay. And it's called a scone, not a scone. A scone what, what do you, it's you, e, not a scone. Really there's an E at the end. It. No, it's Well, there's a the, there's an E in uh, River Thames, but it's, it, it should be River Thames. Arkansas should should have a W at the end and not an S, right? If we're playing that game, because <laughs> well, otherwise Arkansas. it's Arkansas. not Arkansas, isn't
2: mm, it? So, how do you pronounce scone? Isn't that scone?
4: Scone. Scone. it's like it's gone, but with a skirt on the front. Where's scone. Where's Where's Alf oh mate, He's gone.
2: Oh, gone. Okay,
4: he's gone. So crumpets are like where's, Welsh. Where's,
2: where's and... Kalen
3: Balage this year? <laughs> he's gone. Yeah, he's gone. Yeah, he's gone. More questions. That's what is what an English
2: breakfast? Uh, I keep hearing that. When i I've been watching breakfast. a lot of soccer, because uh, uh, you know, there's like I know what a continental,
3: continental breakfast is
2: and Stay i quality, keep hearing right? you know wake up have your english breakfast and watch the bundesliga
3: yeah
4: every okay saturday morning. so that would what is an english uh, breakfast? traditional in a traditional english breakfast is eggs bacon baked beans sausages tomato fried tomatoes mushroom fried mushrooms hmm. that kind of so it's it's a cooked so, cook so breakfast a fried breakfast pretty.
3: So, mm, but you still never answered my question like do you do you call a biscuit a biscuit like biscuits and gravy yes. biscuits if you were to eat biscuits and gravy oh, you call them biscuits like my, you don't have like some weird no, name no. like lob cake
4: No biscuits I mean we could get into barn cakes we could get into stotties we could get into all sorts of things but biscuits oh, now, now you're talking are biscuits.
1: Mm.
4: yeah stotties a sandwich it's a northern based sandwich a barn cake echoes cakes I mean, we could go for days on this. I mean, Did you I mean just say
3: Equus cakes, Equis no
4: Eccles, E C C L E X. Area of a-
3: Equis, like Equus. no
4: Eccles cakes, crumpets, scones. I mean, we could just do this all day.
2: Huh? I've always I wondered. I've always wondered you when note. you know when I meet people from other cultures if they've ever partaking in what is actually normal for my culture. Have you ever had a pastelito?
4: I haven't. Is that some sort of is, is that something I haven't. that happens? It's a Cuban sick?
2: pastry. It's extremely right common here in Miami and in Tampa. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. I know Chris. You no, know, I haven't. I no. know Kaufman has has had a pastelito. Damn right.
3: Don't forget I you
4: are. I, don't forget you're talking about the kind of this is the culinary hub of the world. You know, European yeah. cooking is the. You know, you can uh, all you like, but you know. European cooking Wait, is the after breakfast. The home no,
3: I, I, after of great food. after Brexit, you don't get to call yourself European anymore, isn't that right?
4: I mean, some of us are always <laughs> going to be European, Christopher. <laughs> I mean, I'm not a right wing racist um, arsehole, so I will always be
3: European. I think um, you mean arsehole.
4: No, I mean uh, arsehole, Yeah, it's like a it's like an echos cake, but brown. <laughs>
2: never understood that like what's you know what's with the arsehole it's asshole, you know
4: i mean it's spelt differently though it's not yeah, it a-r-s-e hole
2: yeah like they seem to make a point about it so it must be it you know why
4: you know you know it's called the english language for a reason right
2: oh really i didn't know that
4: <laughs> i mean just saying is
2: not that the european yeah. language
4: can I just say it's 11 minutes past three in the morning. I'm, my missus has just messaged me <laughs> to say that it, even at 11 we minutes past to, three. We managed
2: to annoy Simon in 13 minutes of this show.
4: Oh, I'm I not annoyed done. in any way, shape, or form. My missus has just said even at 11 minutes past three, you three can talk a lot of shite, which is <laughs> apposite. But I'm not remotely annoyed. Oh, boy. It's funny. Well, I like answering questions about... about what happens in the real world where you have passports and, you know. What's a passport? Culture.
2: (laughs) 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 Oh, boy. Oh, well. Okay. Well, you know, we're going to be honest on this show. Unlike elsewhere, whenever you hear uh, a host of a show start reading off questions from their listeners, it sounds profound. It sounds like it's very well produced. It's just that they have nothing to talk about, and since this is the taint of the off season, I put out the question you know don't, what I mean? don't use
4: that word
3: I
2: can't use taint oh, it
3: makes me think in in, oh. in in America, taint means between the place between between <laughs> the balls and 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 the arsehole. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Oh and, my God, and that sounds so, so... Maybe we should have an entire yeah. episode where you just talk in English...
3: It sounded style. for a second like you thought that word meant something dirty and, uh, and, and maybe... No, and it I did. Think that's a cultural thing. Yeah, it's definitely cultural So I a cultural put out thing. the
2: call for our listeners to produce the show for us because there's nothing to talk about, at least in the NFL world, or even the dolphin world. So I put out a simple question. Do you have a question for us? Send it in, and we received over hundred and fifty of them. I narrowed it down to twelve. we're going to try to get to as many as we can
3: and I guess be good. Just, that That must have taken some work hundred and fifty down to twelve
2: no nah, i just I just looked at you know like some were not very, very good wow. some were really good, and nobody was witty by the way like no one well one guy asked if Simon was still dying of the coronavirus and I, and
3: a hey, way to know. put down the listeners <laughs>
2: yeah. You know, So, I was like, you know, I'm not going to ask Simon that. The
3: questions were all stupid. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Well, they can all be as good as the 12 that I picked out here. And we're going to start with the first one from a sponsor. You know, I feel obligated to.
4: Oh, I see. Uh, Go on, (laughs) Arslicker.
2: Okay. And this question comes from Greenview Construction.
4: (laughs) Uh Hi, Mr. Sponsor.
2: (laughs) And he asks... Who is going to make a bigger difference on the team? And he lists five sets of players. Howard or Jones? Lawson or Ogba? Beagle or Van Ginkle? Breda or Howard? Jackson or Hunt?
4: I don't understand the question, but the answer is Jackson and Hunt. Okay.
2: no two. There's no two, there's
4: no two more worse. important... There's no two more important players on the team than, than Austin Jackson, and uh, I mean not on the team, but there's no more, two more important players than Austin Jackson and, and Robert Hunt because of what the responsibility is given who they've drafted and uh, and how they have to solidify two of the most important positions on the you know left tackle is always important, right tackle becomes incredibly important because we have an our left-handed superstar quarterback. So mm-hmm. Hunt and Jackson for me that Chris Sims
2: despises, by the way. Yeah. I mean
4: he's a bell end i mean that you know chris sims makes makes points about as well as he threw touchdowns in the nfl
3: <laughs>
4: which he didn't because he's about, shit. As,
3: about as often and as yeah. accurately uh, chris
2: you to take a shot at this one
3: i think well you might have to name those players again
2: okay howard um, or jones so obviously it's Xavier howard or byron so
3: so do we go like with each pair and like pick one of the two pairs yeah, who's Perfect more important to the team? Okay, so Howard or, or Jones? Yes. Rashad Jones? He's not here anymore. Byron Jones. Oh, Our Byron. Our very Byron
2: expensive Jones. cornerback.
3: Yeah, I've, Come on, I've, Chris, I, I definitely that. say it's, it's 3 o'clock in the morning for you, but it's like 10 o'clock at night for me, mm. man. Um, asleep, so uh, <laughs> I'd say Byron Jones because he's he's more likely to get moved around and asked to uh, to – I mean, remember, Minka Fitzpatrick's big—you know—his his big uh, problem was not so much that he's being moved around because he enjoys that, but because he was being moved around to cover everyone else's um, weaknesses. So, I mean, he he just—they were using him as this like you know, kind of like this remainder function to to try and um, to try and cover up everybody else's weaknesses. And I I think that there's a chance that Byron Jones with the contract that he's got mm-hmm. that he could um end up doing some of that too because now we've got like a lot of corners and um and the safety position is a little iffy so he might he might move around a couple he's mostly gonna play corner don't get me wrong but i mean he might move around a little bit and they might be expecting something from him all
2: right and the second one was Shaq Lawson or Emmanuel Ogba I think I, I, I could answer that one. If you want, I think Ogba would have a good sack total and therefore shine a bit more.
3: I think, I think, you know, I like Agba and, and I, I've always liked him coming out. Um, but between the two, you know, who's most, who's, who's the iffier fit for the defense? Mm-hmm. It's Agba. It's, yeah. it's not, it's, it's, it's not Lawson. Lawson's more of a, you know, more of a versatile player, plays plays you know kind of multiple positions and um, and does well and has experience with Marion Hobby and, and stuff like that. I mean, it's it's Agba who's coming. He was just a straight straight up defensive end, and he's going to be coming into a and maybe they simplify things for him and that's great. But, but um, you know, it's a little bit like he's he's a little bit more of a question mark. I think.
2: Okay, the other one was Beagle or Van Ginkle.
3: Oh, um oh, that's a tough one cuz you know Beagle, he played a big role last year. Is he going to be usurped by Kyle Van Noy? Mm-hmm. Um Van Ginkle, you know, they they started to use him in a lot of pass rush situations last year. Um I think I think I think Van Ginkle's got more pass rush in him and and so they're going to they're going to need that still. Mm-hmm. So um yeah, I'll go with Van Ginkle.
2: Yeah, and the fourth one, I think that one's interesting because it's basically who's gonna get the carries, who's gonna get the touches, and it's Breda or Howard? Not Balaj? No.
3: Who's that? <laughs> um I I think if if Breda does not go off does not, you know, is not exciting here the way that he was in San Francisco. Then I think that we might have some some issues there. So I'm going to go with Breda.
2: And the last one, last one is Jackson or Hunt.
3: I think the pain point, the biggest pain point in the entire team, is probably Jackson at left tackle, and um, and that's because you know not only is it a pivotal position, but it's a it's a very shaky um, individual that we're you know putting in there because he's the youngest – I think he was the youngest player in the draft. He had not really, in my opinion, played all that well at USC. Um, so that's that's your biggest pain point and probably on the entire team.
2: Yeah, I tend to agree with pretty much everything you just said, although I think that Howard could have a big year. Uh, we're not too far removed from when he was a superstar running back in Chicago.
3: I'm going to be holding my breath until the trade deadline is up be yeah. honest. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think you still get traded. Really? Yeah, You're talking about
4: Xavier and, You're talking and about Xavier. I think I'm I was talking about Jordan. About the running back, Jordan Howard.
3: Oh, I'm sorry. I'm still talking about Xavier. My bad. Good.
2: Okay. That's a possibility. And if the rumor is true that's coming out of Minnesota, that Minnesota is dangling lesser money to Dalvin Cook, and Dalvin Cook is insisting on $13 million a year, he could be available. Guess who needs a cornerback? Is that a swap? Well, I'll interject here. Is that a swap you would entertain, Simon?
4: They've just well, they've just drafted two. They've just drafted two. I mean, they've just drafted that da- Cameron Downstone and Jeff Gladney, and they've still got the, the kid, that Mike Hughes. I mean, I do like. Da- I do like the, 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 the Dalvin Cook thing is is a mystery to me. I mean, he's played forty six games, or he's been available for forty six games. He's missed 20 games in three seasons with injuries. He mm-hmm. wants to be paid more than the 65 million pounds a year, uh, 65 million over four years that Christian McCaffrey has paid uh, is paid. He, to, you know, Minnesota are talking about first round. Who, who's giving up a first round pick for a running back who's already already missed 20 games in his career mm-hmm. and wants to be the highest paid running back in NFL history? I mean, that is not happening. I, it, yeah. It's just not happening. That the, the, that is not the world that we live in. This is not 1983 anymore. Mm-hmm. You know this is that is not happening. If and you he only is played twenty, Christie
2: McCaffrey, no matter how good he is, no, he actually does play.
4: If you've he's played not. eight, if if you've only played eight games more than you've mm-hmm. missed, and yet you've been in the league, you're entering your fourth season. I mean, uh, it, it's time for a classic, not for me, Clive. Yeah, on any level. I mean, he's really not. Yeah, you know, I loved him coming out of Florida State. My Florida State fan, and he's been very well, you know. good.
2: And to be fair, he's been very yeah. good when, when he's
4: played. played. He's yes. been very good, but. He's not played, and he's not played enough. Even last year, when he went to the Pro Bowl, he still, I think, he only played thirteen games. Yeah, and he was um, he
2: was injured going into the playoffs when they needed yeah. him the most.
4: Exactly. So no, not a, not on any level. Right, and next. I think the whole the whole first round thing is a complete fallacy.
2: Yeah, especially when they're insisting on a first round pick and more. <laughs> so, yeah, good luck with that. So yeah, good luck with that, Minnesota. All right, next question, Simon. You could take this one. It's from Paul David Junior at. Paul David Jr. and he asks, "What's the floor and what's the ceiling of this year's defensive unit?"
1: They oh, sure spent a this. lot of money and
2: drafting on that unit.
1: I mean,
4: I think it, it it will it will depend on the pass rush and the, or the ability to get to the quarterback. Um, the secondary is good, could be great. I think Brandon Jones has got to play early and often and well to sort of solidify that that unit Eric Rose got to stay healthy a lot of pressure on Carl Van Noy um who else is going to get to the work you know where are extra pressures where are extra sacks coming from obviously Lawson and Ogba are there but who else who's the mystery player that's going to provide extra pressure you know where where's that coming from because you know with the greatest wood in the world Lawson and Ogba are you know we're not talking about elite pass rushers. They are, uh, you know, they're not easily neutralized, but they are more easily neutralized. You know, we all know what Van Noy can do, eight and a half sacks last season, multiple pressures, but there's got to be one or two other players that come to the fore in that area. Who Who is that going to be? Is that going to be a Curtis Weaver? Is that going to be somebody that we don't, you know, we don't necessarily envisage at this point? You know, where it was, Jerome? Usually it's
3: an incumbent. Usually yeah. it's, it's, it's somebody that steps up, you know, Christian Wilkins, your first round pick, does he step yeah, up and
4: hundred percent? I mean, look contract year for contract year for Devon Godshall, you know,
3: yeah.
4: is it here? He's, he's than,
3: never, he's never going to be really, a pass no. rusher, so. no.
4: but you know, where's that coming from? That, that I th- to me would
3: be, I think you're, uh, I think, you know, there's, there's a legit chance that, um, that you see, um, God, what's the, what, the, what's the player in new England, uh, the, the defensive tackle and that um that's so good up there um Lawrence his name is Guy Steve. Lawrence Guy like it, mm. there's there's a chance that you could see either you know Christian Wilkins or even maybe a Zach Sealer um, step yeah. up and, and kind of impact like Lawrence Guy impacts uh in that way and it may not result in sacks for that player but um but that's what they need.
2: Yeah, as far as like you know, actual floor and ceiling, it could be anything. Uh, this unit is not one like last year. You could point to that unit last year and say, okay, that's going to be garbage. That's going to be trash. Were they trash? Yeah, pretty much. You know, they played well in spots toward the end of the year to win a couple of games. They played well in the finale against New England, but it was few and far between. They didn't even play well in some of the games that they won, like against the Eagles. They were torched in that game. So. Last year's defensive unit was bad. This year, you can't say it's definitively bad, but you can't say it's definitively good either. So, you know, they could be anything. They need. They have a. They're. They're counting on a lot of ifs, but they do have some talent. So
4: the one, the one player I'm very keen to see where hopeful. they play him is Raquan Davis. You know, it's yeah, because if you turn the yeah. clock back right. two years, Alabama you know, there's a kid who with top 10 talent who, Mm. you know, with pass rush talent, you know, all of a sudden he's kind of become, and whether that's out of necessity, at Alabama, or whether that's just what he is, a heavy handed run defender who can soak up, Mm. you know, two, two players at the point of attack and make life easier for those around him. Is that what the Dolphins envisage him as? Or, you know, is he going to be somebody who can actually fulfill that potential that we saw in the early stages at Alabama? And if that's the case, you know, the ceiling is significantly higher than, than perhaps we think.
2: Yeah, and yeah, as far as what they can be, yeah. They could be top 10, I believe you. They could be bottom 10, I believe you. So we're just going to have to see them play because there's too many ifs. All right, Simon, this one I'll ask you. Okay, Benjamin Gehring at Benjamin Garing asks, Arian's comments from this past week. I don't know if you saw what he said, but he said, if you were the coach, how long would you wait to put in Tua? And I don't know if you were aware of his comments, but Bruce Arians says if he's if he's best, I start him from day one. I don't know why he's commenting from Tampa on the Dolphins' quarterback situation, but he is. So, your thoughts?
4: Um, yeah, I mean, if he's if he's healthy and he he beats out Fitzpatrick, and I assume it'll be a fair competition because that's what Brian Flores has proven he's about. Then then if he's the best quarterback, then he'll start. I mean. For me, I wouldn't start him. I would just let him get a little bit healthy, uh, especially given the, the the off season. But yeah, I mean if he's good enough, he's got to play and that's that that's what will happen, I think. If Brian Flores proved last year, like I said, that he doesn't, you know, he's not about that life. He's about um he is about putting the best players on the field and putting the team in the best position to win. So yeah.
2: Yeah, I think so too. Everything that we know about Brian Flores suggests that he will play the best player. All right, Simon. Here's another question, and if you're not hearing Chris Kaufman, it's because he's having some technical difficulties at this moment.
4: But here's I want one to make he... English biscuits. <laughs> he's gone to, to microwave some hot water and make it a cup of tea.
2: Yeah. This guy asks undefeated at. Occam Razor Forty Two. He asks, "What is the weakest unit on the Twenty Twenty
4: team? Uh, what is the weakest unit? It is the tight ends, and probably the offensive line. Um, for me, I mean, look behind Mike Kosicki, There's a bunch of guys. Really, you know, Michael Roberts. We we think's intriguing, but you know, hasn't really done anything." Chris Myrick's got a bit of talent, but, you know, that's that's not going to get you very far. Durham Smythe is probably the leader of the clubhouse to back up Gesicki, and he's the, the best blocker. Bryce Sturk is unproven and essentially switching positions. And the offensive line, has so many question marks. You know, Jackson, question mark. Hunt, question mark. Flowers, question mark. Karras, question mark. Dieter, question mark. Jesse Davis, is he good enough to start? Question mark. Solomon Kindley, how big is he? Question mark. You know, yeah, I think the, it's the you know. Yeah, it's the offensive offensive line, line really. Yeah, you know, given how important it is.
2: Yeah, because even at the tight end position, you can point to Gasecki and say, "Hey, he's an emerging player. He might score touchdowns this year. Might yeah. you know get a big catch total, maybe even a big yardage total." Since Fitzpatrick likes him, and I think I know Tua will like him, so yeah, it's clearly the offensive line. The offensive line has, as of right now, do they even have anything that they can count on? I'd say no. Everything's an if on that offensive line, including their expensive left guard, Eric Flowers, because all we have from yeah. him is eight good games in his career. And it just so happens that they happened at the end of last year.
4: So, if you were going to start if, – if the, if the season started tomorrow, what would your starting offensive line be?
2: Well, I would say that Austin Jackson starts at left tackle and Robert Hunt at right tackle, Jesse Davis at right guard, Flowers at left guard. And I'd be looking to replace Ted Karras, but we just don't have anything good enough as of right now. Yeah. So I guess Ted Karras is the starting center.
4: It's got, it's got to be Jackson Flowers, Karras, Davis, Hunt. I mean, I can't see any other combination of – I can't see any other combination starting on opening day. But I don't understand. Unless somebody,
2: somebody as good as Larry Warford is just sitting out there collecting dust. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I, I how sp- expensive yeah. is he? How much is he asking
4: the, for? Then nobody wants him. I suppose, them? Uh, I suppose for the Dolphins are so the situation is whether or not, you know, uh, at what point do you, what do you do with Jesse Davis at that point? You know, because he is only one year into that. So he's still got two years after that new contract that he signed. You know, is Davis then just an expensive backup, right guard, right tackle? Do you know what I mean? At what point does, uh, I don't know. It's an, it's an interesting one. I mean, clearly, it would feel like Warford would, especially given the size of the guys that we're bringing in, you know, we're bringing in big, mauling kind of players. Mm-hmm. Warford would definitely fit that mould. But it's, um, yeah. I mean, I would personally bring him in, but then I, I you know, I wouldn't have signed David Slack to, to that new contract anyway, nor would I have signed Ted Karras, who I think is a fairly substandard starting centre. Yeah he's, just last year. Yeah, yeah, he's the guy. Yeah, he's an just,
2: average yeah. player, an average player at best, and even his uh, like his numbers. Like everybody likes to point to his, you know. I guess you could say good numbers from last year. He didn't allow that many sacks. He didn't have that many penalties. It's the New England offensive line. That's the way they operate. But they do blame him for most of their problems last year, especially with their run game. So, yeah, I'm not expecting too much from Ted Karras.
4: I think yeah you know, he's a really good backup at all three interior positions. I don't think a, a a team with playoff ambition you know and okay I know he started for New England last year but they went out in the first round of the playoffs. Um I just don't think he's he's what you need as a team that you know if you have playoff ambitions and I think they will be looking to replace him sooner rather than later which is why he only signed a one year contract. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah well before we go to to a sponsor right now i'll ask you one last question and this was pretty optimistic i know the answer to this question and so do you but it's an optimistic question nonetheless and this is frank kim at tim Byrne, and he asks, do we have the two best quarterbacks in the division
4: um
2: can you make the uh, case that the dolphins do have the two best quarterbacks in the division
4: so who was to look at Brian Hoyer and um It's Jarrett Hoyer Stidham. and Stidham.
2: Yeah, and it's yeah. Darnold and it's Josh Allen.
4: Uh who's and the Bills? Back? I mean I don't think it's – you can't really make the argument. I mean I think it's no, I don't think so. Two hasn't played a game. So for at this point you can't say that he's better than anybody, you know, you can't say that he's better than Brian Hoyer. Uh-huh. You know. You can't, you know, it be you can like project. saying you can, project. you can project, of course you can project, but you know, projections will get you killed. I mean, I think, you know, I think he'll very quickly become the best quarterback in the division. I think at this point, it's a tough shout to say, yes, he's better than anybody else in the division, just because, you know, I'm, I'm one, I'm always very keen to see people actually play the games. You know, hypothesizing is great. And that's, you know, a lot of what we do each year is hypothesizing because we all love the draft. But I think it's very difficult to just sit here and go, Yeah, two, to, excuse me, two is the best quarterback in the AFC East when he hasn't even played a down. And Josh Allen, who I, you know, I'm not a fan of, but Josh Allen has been to the taking the team to the playoffs. You know, Sam Darnold has, has shown flashes of being a really good quarterback. It, you know, he's still very young. It, he was young when he came out, he's had the illness. I think it's a tough one. Yeah, you know, Brian Hoyer started playoff games, you know, I think it's um I think Fitzpatrick might be on, on, you know, as it stands today, on current form, based on the end, based on last season, I think Fitz might, you could make a strong case that Fitz was the best quarterback in the AFC East.
2: Mm.
4: But, you know, I think it's hard to say, I, I, you know, I don't, look, if Tua starts week one and, and the projection is the way that we see it to be, I think by week eight, he's come to be the best player in the division, best quarterback in the division.
2: Yeah, and I can say, and I can say this as far as Sam Darnold. Uh, I know that Dolphin fans are down on him because every time that they see Sam Darnold, for whatever reason, that guy sees the Dolphins uniform and decides today is the day I'm throwing five more interceptions. And he's had horrific game after horrific game against the Dolphins, but the guy does has had flashes, and he does have talent, and he, I think he will be pretty good going forward. He just hasn't shown totally. Miami. For a I mean, look,
4: was it Sam Darnold and uh, and Joe Flacco? I mean, is Joe Flacco the best quarterback in the AFC East? Hmm. He's won a Super Bowl. I mean, probably not, but you wouldn't have said the same thing about you know we wouldn't be sitting here this time last year and saying Ryan Fitzpatrick is the best quarterback in the AFC. East. So you know, yeah. it's a tough one.
2: Yeah. Well, we will go to a sponsor now, and when we come back, hopefully, we will have Chris Coughlin. But first, these words. Let me introduce you to another sponsor to the podcast. You break wheel repair and remanufacturing company. Tired of your wheels? Give your car a new and refreshed look by powder coating them a new color. Even make it heat, hurricanes, or dolphins colors. Wheels faded and scratched? Renew them with our in-house wheel refinishing. They'll also repair cracked and bent rims while also offering in-home service. They also offer powder coating and full metal finishing of many other metal items such as outdoor furniture. U Break Wheel Fix has 15 years experience based right here in North Miami. You can check out a gallery of their work on Instagram at U, that's the letter U, break wheel fix. That is U, break, wheel, W-H-E-E-L, fix. For information call 305-748-0112 or you can also visit them on the web at ubreakwheelfix.com. That number again is 305-748-0112. Back and now we're back with Chris Kaufman because Simon Clancy has gone to bed. We do have Chris Kaufman back from whatever the hell happened to him. What happened to you, Chris? By the way, you're telling me there's I, a lot of emergency vehicles on your street. No, I was just making some tea
3: in the microwave.
2: Oh, oh okay. You know that. No,
3: nice. um, there's there's a lot of yeah, there's a lot of emergency vehicles outside, and my internet's actually kind of spotty too. So I think they just probably found out that I'm Q. <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right well when all hell broke loose i asked you a question uh, from ybn tua at 06 not rigged and he asked passer rating or adjusted net yards per attempt which stat do you prefer to determine qb
3: success you could add your own if you want, if you like um <laughs> so the funny thing about this is like um the adjusted net yards per temp is is, is usually going to I mean they're they're going to go in the same direction um let's be honest but um I don't know I mean why not both I, I you have to have an open mind about these um about these analytics because it's not they're all pieces of the puzzle so and there's there's no one there's, there's, there's no magic bullet. There's no Holy grail. Um, you know, and when you're looking at a guy, usually it just depends on what, what exercise you're engaging in and whether it's just, uh, you know, a knockout or, um, sort of a screening, or if, if you're actually just trying to isolate the best, these sorts of metrics are not great for isolating you know who the best is but um they can be pretty good for for screening um for screening purposes and you know sometimes it's just like well i just i need you to show me something you know and 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 it doesn't you can be agnostic on um on whether that's pass a rating or whether that's uh adjusted net yards per attempt or um or whether that's uh, you know something something else that you've concocted, whether it's you know PFF's grades or or um, or you know looking at looking at guys on third downs, and I look at guys on third downs quite a bit. I look at guys um, close to the end zone and what's their production there. Um, third down is you know that's one thing. the The game may have changed on first and second down. Um. And to some extent it's changed on third down, but it's you know it's it's a slower change over the decades on third down than it has been on first and second down so so third down is still is still kind of a big one that you're gonna look at you know um when when the the when the drive is in the guy's hands, you know what does he do with it mm-hmm. um and and everything's gonna be tight on third down, you just know everything's gonna be tighter. So, um, so I, 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 it's, it's not, there's not one, um, they're all pieces of the puzzle. Uh, so, yeah, I, efficiency I don't, in
2: the red zone is a big one for me. I like to yeah. see, I like to see my quarterback get touchdowns instead of field goals.
3: Right. No, I mean, that's a big one, too. I, I, I try not to look too much at interceptions and, you know, the, because, you know one bad break two bad breaks and then it's like oh this dude you know he throws interceptions in the red zone um and interceptions are just such a clunky can be such a word you one tipped up pass or something like that goes down and is an, as yeah. an interception and then it's like uh yeah it, like i was talking it has somebody. a massive impact yeah um, i was
2: talking to somebody the other day they were talking about great marino games and I found a Marino game where he threw for 500 yards. You heard that correctly. But he threw for five interceptions. Yeah. Okay. And in those five interceptions, four of them were off of hands. Yeah. Okay. So did that 500-yard game, was that actually a bad game? Because I, I said – I used that as an example of what essentially was a bad game with big gaudy numbers because he did have I – th- I believe he had three touchdowns also. But they ended up losing by 10 points to the Jets. And those points basically led to those, those points were born of those five interceptions. But out of those five interceptions, like four of them were tipped.
3: So, and that gets even worse when you're, I mean, when you're looking at an individual game, it gets, it gets worse when you're, when you're doing splits, you know, situational splits or of some sort, Mm -hmm. and, um, and you're looking at a passer rating. And the more you cut down the more you cut down the um the, the sample pool, the less the passive rating is gonna matter. Um because that's as opposed to an uh, adjusted net yards um per attempt. But um yeah, the more you cut down on the on the, the sample size, the more that passer rating is gonna get uh is gonna get just a little bit wonky on you when um you know, just depending on, on one or two outcomes which may be um you know wholly uh, unconnected to the you know the actual skill that that went into the execution so um so i think that you know you try to look at qb rating or something like that in the red zone um and so that's a split and and you know the, you get a couple of passes that can screw that up so um yeah yeah you you gotta have an open mind about it i even look at you know i I, I look at the qbr too
0: mm-hmm.
3: um i think that that can be that can be useful on a historical basis um you know it's 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 not uh not one thing
2: yeah but as, as interceptions especially what you said about interceptions like one of the best ones that – a best exam, the best example I can think of of this is Russell Wilson's interception at the three-yard line against New England in the Super Bowl. If you just read a box score, you, you know, well, Russell Wilson threw an interception, and it cost the Seahawks a Super Bowl, right? Well, yeah. then you watch the play, and you realize, you know, what is Russell Wilson to do? There's a play mm-hmm. call. He throws the ball exactly where it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. His coach got outsmarted by a better well coach.
3: defender. Defender beats the uh, receiver to the spot. You know. Yeah. And,
2: it, like, and, look uh, at all the things that happened that had absolutely nothing to do with Russell Wilson. You mm-hmm. know, because really, Russell Wilson, for him to see that, like, you know, come on, you have to be, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a not even a three step drop. It's a it's it's a timing route with two steps, and you're letting it go right there from three yards out. You're not gonna really see that. So you just throw it to a spot and look. Guess what? You got outsmarted and it cost you your cost you the game. So it's very hard. Yeah, it's to tough, use. man. It's hard to use interceptions to really discern anything. I asked Simon this, and he seems to be coming off of his red shirt idea. By the way, on Tuatonga uh, asked him About Bruce Arians. Took
3: some time, but it's going to happen.
2: Yeah. I asked him about Bruce Arians' comments. I don't know if you heard his comments but Bruce Arians is commenting on the Dolphins quarterback situation from Tampa, mm-hmm. you know, uh, like, shouldn't he be worrying about Tom Brady? But <sighs> he had time. And as we all do right now, we have time yeah. to talk about everything. So he decided to talk about Tua Tungabailoa and he said, if he's best, he starts week one. So this mm-hmm. guy asked Benjamin Gering, he asked, if you were the coach, how long would you wait to start Tua? Of course, assuming that, You've seen what you needed to see in preseason, you know who's best. Would you start on week one? Week one is in New England by the way,
3: yeah, well, I think you know Bruce is uh, there's no right or wrong here i mean they're, they're they're called schools of thought for a reason and um mm-hmm. and you know that's about whether to start or whether to sit right away and i I get it. I respect both both sides of the the argument there um I think you know when when your ass is on the line though know, it's like it's hard it's hard not to go out there and start the guy that gives you the best chance of winning and um and I know people are very easily saying you know assuming that that's going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick cuz of his experience overall as well as his experience in Changeli's offense but remember this is a guy who has started a whole lot of games in the NFL, but was never anybody's really ideal uh, starting quarterback. He's a you know a guy that's brilliant one moment and then really disappointing the next. And he's a guy that barely barely escaped out of the 2019 training camp with the starting job over Josh Rosen, who I don't think people have as much high hopes for anymore. <laughs> no. Um, So, you know, if he couldn't really put away Josh Rosen to where Brian Flores is like, you know, I want to make this decision around the third game of the preseason. And then all of a sudden, Brian Flores is like, I can't, I just can't make the decision. It's too close. and He he punched it for another week. And then finally. He does make the decision. He's like, "All right, well, we're gonna go with Ryan Fitzpatrick." But like, not even two games in, he's like, "Nah, nah, nah, Josh Rosen. I gotta go with Josh Rosen." Yeah. And and so you know that that was how things happened in 2019. And and a lot of people that are thinking so great about Ryan Fitzpatrick because he did end the season well, and I I, I respect him. But um, you know, they forget that they forget that in training camp he didn't really beat josh rosen well <laughs> you know he didn't yeah. make him eat his dust um and so what's he gonna do with Tuatonga a of i mean if there's a full camp if there's a full camp full preseason schedule um well maybe you look you look down you're like well, oh, jesus this kid is doing better um and so that's what, that's what you watch out for when your ass is on the line, you're going to play the guy that that gives you the best chance to win.
2: Yeah. And last year's camp was such a weird one. First of all, you know, all I kept looking at and thinking about was, Whoa, this is a bad football team. And the second thing I kept watching was, wow, this Preston Williams guy is something else. And it was mainly due to Josh Rosen looking for him over and over and over again while Devontae Parker was completely invisible, all of camp. Mm. So, I don't know. It, you know, I don't know what they're going to discern, but if I had to bet, I think Tua Tagovailoa is the type of guy that will shine and shine consistently in camp. And if that's the case, he's going to be better in preseason too and in the preseason games. So, if there's, a, got- if there's a legitimate quarterback competition, I think he wins it. And he probably and he's got some
3: points. receivers. They're, the depth that receiver favors him too, yeah. Because you know the the Dolphins actually have some depth here, so you know he's going to have some. It's not going to be it's not going to be necessarily throwing to guys who can't get open, can't do anything with the ball in their hands, and when we're talking about when we get to preseason now. Um, so he's he's gonna he's gonna have some guys that he's throwing to like Albert Wilson, who is probably number three on this this receiver unit and um and jakeem grant is probably number four and uh and we've talked about some of the guys that are number uh number five number six the isaiah fords of the world yeah yeah you think that you know and alan hearns who's who's experienced um, yeah all of
2: those guys are nfl those are nfl wide receivers nfl players but here they'll play somewhere else i believe
3: how and and what's his name uh what is it hollis thomas or um he's he's an nfl wide receiver so um satua is going to be throwing to to nfl guys and in the in the among the backups and so he's going to have a shot to to legitimately look good in training camp and preseason so um you know shoot shoot, don't be surprised (laughs) yeah i wouldn't be either all right now this question is
2: I don't know. I, I, I found it intriguing because I wanted to guess on it. But he asked, and this is Let's Talk NFL at Talk Football 34. He asked in three years. So it's three years from now. Josh Rosen will be blank. Out of football. Really? You don't think he, he holds clipboards for the next 10 years?
3: Um. He could. I, I I want to be careful here because he, he definitely could. And I think teams will continue to give him a chance. But I think that he gets off. I, I'm curious about whether there's a point at which, based on his personality, whether he's deciding, you know, this just isn't working. I've made like $20 million, however much money he's made. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm set he's never been, I mean, he, he comes from a, I think he comes from a pretty wealthy background anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, where, where's the point that he, he starts the next chapter in his life because he's been in the league now for X number of years and it's just not working out. He's getting passed around. He's between number three and number two on the depth charts. Um, and he, and he maybe just goes off and says, you know, I'm, I'm gonna to go to law school or something like that. Um mm-hmm. and and that's that's kinda of what what I could see happening within he's the a next good talker. three years.
2: He he's a good talker. Maybe media is in his future, you know?
3: Maybe. I don't know. I you always know? thought he looked like Don Flamenco.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> I don't, that that was just not total non sequitur. I just had to say it.
2: What a name. What a what a what a callback. Wow. Yeah all right last two questions this one's for and this was kind of interesting to me because i started thinking about it and i was like I, when i first read it i was like huh and then i said "Huh," you know like this is interesting and it's uh dave d at miami dolphin stand he writes love the show guys i don't know why he had to ask the question like if he's calling into a radio show but it helps yeah
3: he's gonna ask and then he's gonna hang up
2: yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah long time you know long time you know first time first time long long time,
3: time listener first time caller yeah i'll ask the question and i'll just hang up
2: i'll hang up and listen <laughs> okay all right
3: all right all right dolphin Dave d dirty d <laughs> okay
2: what do you got yes what are your guys thoughts on the idea of nick needham moving to free safety this season
3: do we need him there ah uh, let's, see, let's see what
2: i did there um yeah when, uh, I, when i read that i was like wait a minute but this is guy is gonna find a place in the defense but then i started looking at it and it, was like you know what there's a distinct possibility if everybody's healthy that he doesn't have a place on his defense as of right now no
3: you know i i would i would be careful there because he's always since he got here it looked like he would be the type of dude that compete in the slot and um as as a sort of a nickel, and, and I would he say might have been let me, he let might me. have been thrust into something more last year, but, but now, let
2: me, but counselor, let me introduce a little bit more evidence, okay? Brian Flores is talking more about Igbo. I, I can't pronounce his name still, okay? He talks more <laughs> about him than he does about his newly minted number five overall quarterback Tuatonga Vaelloa. What does that tell you? Well, oh, Brian yeah, Flores loved him.
3: I mean, that, he hasn't penciled in as the nickel already. I well, I mean, I I, I think so. I'd be careful there because Brian Flores is going to go where the with wherever the guys are taking him in camp and and stuff like that. But yeah, um, but <laughs> I said right away. I mean, I, I was told that Brian Flores like effing loves that guy. Like he like he was he this was him you know that that pick straight up that Florence, one raquan like,
2: Davis because come on
3: yeah I mean the, well we saw the the celebration with Raekwon Davis and then of <laughs> course I'm sure he liked the big ugly but I I think he was doing that probably even more with with Igbenogany so yeah. um so I think that yeah he's gonna have a, sh- a shot at the the nickel position as well and uh the slot uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if they're just like Kind of rotating Igmanagene into the um, into the outside as well, and like I said, maybe Byron Jones plays a little bit of uh, inside or safety and stuff mm-hmm. like he's got the versatility in, in the background. Well, we do um, know that Xavier so Howard it,
2: is horrific in the slot. We know that.
3: Yeah, we don't want him there. You know that. Yeah. So
2: even even when he's traveled and he's followed receivers there, he, he right. usually gets smoked.
3: Yeah, you know. and they don't want IE, him. There.
2: His game last year against a guy that he dominated the year before, Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper destroyed him in the slot last year in Dallas. And you know that was a game that he got up for, you
3: know? Yeah, it was bad.
2: Okay. And so, was bad. you know, that's a game that Xavier Howard said, okay, we suck and I know we're going to get mm-hmm. killed, but I'm going to repeat what I did to Amari Cooper the, the previous year. And no, yeah, that didn't, happen. didn't work
3: out. It was it was pretty bad, but I said this before. You know, I'm going to be holding my breath on Xavier Howard until that trade deadline passes. Mm-hmm. Um, I really think that that's a strong that's a possibility that people is still. I think because things have quieted down. We I I said it right when they signed Byron Jones, and and people kind of wondered, you know, was this mean for Xavier? are they going to pair them up? And uh, I thought, you know, hey, hold, you know, don't don't count your chickens yet on this this idea of byron jones and Xavier howard being being this pair because um, you don't know what's going to happen uh and i think because things kept quiet a little bit like mm-hmm. maybe everybody's forgotten it's like nah nah we're just gonna go, go with them as pair and maybe that maybe that does happen i don't know but um i, I don't know something tells me you know get in the camp preseason if somebody's got an injury something like that somebody's like hey we'll give you a first round pick I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I think I think that would be so
2: tempting. And remember, they do have two first round picks next yeah, year. You sure. Know, somebody I'm, throws. They're going to continue
3: to want to build that way.
2: Yeah. Somebody tells you, hey, you know, you want to have three first round picks. Yep. You know what I mean? And they might think like, hey, man, you know, we could do, you know, we could do with with what we have already. You know, we did spend a lot of money on Byron Jones, so that I could see that happening. Selfishly, I I would like to talk myself into thinking that they'll keep him. You know, mm-hmm. and the Patriots have in the past had very expensive, you know, pairs of corners. You know, yep. they paid, they paid, you know, they paid eight figures to, to Revis and eight figures to Tlaib to at one point.
3: Mm-hmm. You know,
2: they're paying Gilmore a lot of money now.
3: So, And I think they gave, uh, didn't they give the other guy a new contract?
2: Yeah, they did. Yeah. Um, I, f- I keep forgetting. Jason.
3: Name. Yeah, Go Jason Forty. McCarty.
2: Yeah, they gave him an, a new contract too. So. You know, selfishly, you know, I'm about entertainment. I find Xavier Howard, he's he's an exciting player. So was Rashad Jones, by the way. But Xavier Howard is super exciting, makes a difference when he's played. Like, you can Mm -hmm. actually point to games where you could say, that guy won the game. Two years ago against the Raiders, he won that game, okay? Mm -hmm. The game against the Colts that we ended up blowing, he basically won the game by himself by shutting down T.Y. Hilton, and intercepting Andrew Luck twice going into the red zone. So, come on, you know. The Jet game where he intercepted Darnold almost three times, but they get him twice, both Mm -hmm. times in the red zone. So, yeah, he's an exciting player. Selfishly, I want him on the team. You know, I want to see him and Byron Jones together. But, you know, hey, it could happen. Somebody can dangle a first-round pick, and they're going to make a calculated decision.
3: Well, I'll tell you what. If they keep them, I, you know, going back to that first question we talked about with, like, you know, what's the what's the ceiling floor on this defense? I, I tell you, the expectations are, the expectations are such based on what they've put together in this defense, what they've paid, what they've invested in it. If if this is if this is less than a mediocre, like middle of the league defense, mm-hmm. then there's something seriously wrong.
1: Oh, I agree. Um,
3: Completely. So I think that you know, if if it does end up that then then you're gonna have some eyeballs actually looking at, you know, what they're doing on the defensive side of the ball with the coach and, and coaches and stuff like that because I I think I think they, they think this defense is is built to perform.
2: Yeah, and a lot of people are saying, you know well, they, they got rid of Patrick Graham. What was that about? You know, make no mistake, guys. I, I was at practice last year. The guy that was running that defense was Brian Flores. Now, every yeah. once in a while, he would turn over the wheel, you know what I mean? But, you know, you could tell it was his baby, and that's probably why Patrick Graham elected to leave here because he probably looked around and said, you know what? Like, this guy's the guy running the show here.
3: If we suck yeah, – I, I still want to know who called the tank play against the Steelers.
2: That was insane. <laughs>
3: you know cuz it, it's it's funny though because we we spent basically the entire year a lot of dolphin fans a very significant percentage of dolphin fans spent the, the, a good portion of the year kind of like you know what's up is down and what's down is up is like you know what when they do something bad it's good because it means that we're we're sucking and we're going to get to a yeah um and and I think because of that, we gave a free pass to a lot of, a lot of, curious decisions that definitely hampered the team. Um, mm-hmm. As far you know, if they were really trying to win as much or as often as 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 they could, um, then there are some decisions that you'd look at and say, "Really, you know?" Uh, um, and, and so I think we all kind of ran away with this this thought that there was an organic tank, whatever the hell you want to call it um you know that that the priorities are on establishing you know the, all the things people say um to to talk around just flat game. out admit you just flat out admitting that they're not trying to win yeah. um yeah but that Steeler game and Absolutely. you know some of the some of the things that they did with and some of the things that know, one of the a few of the players did namely Xavier
2: Howard who shows yeah. up is traveling everywhere following juju smith schuster gets an interception and then is is seen celebrating on the sideline then mysteriously has an injury and then he's out for the year
3: (laughs) yeah there's there's some there's some up down stuff as far as like who's up in this game and and who's playing and stuff like that that you'd look at and say well what if we what if we presuppose that they were trying to win while they did all this yeah it was like oh Not to put on my tinfoil hat. And that wasn't a good idea. (laughs) Yeah, not to put on my tinfoil hat, but I really got the
2: sense in that game that Xavier Howard said, okay, it's Monday night football. I'm playing against a really good wide receiver. I'm going to play really good. And if I get an interception, I'm calling it a night. And I might even call it a season because that was just strange. You get an interception off of Mason Rudolph. You're in the sideline, Mm -hmm. you know, celebrating. And then all of a sudden, oh, he's questionable to return. Oh, he's up for the year.
3: You know, which like, makes me which makes me wonder if like you know if if that was his attitude was that sponsored or was that you know something that's like oh this is the kind of player he is yeah i don't like that at all
2: yeah you know but okay so i asked this question of of simon and he couldn't you know he he couldn't bring himself to to do it and to actually commit to it but this guy asked this question frank him at Tim Berm, he asked, do we have the two best quarterbacks in the division? Now, I asked him to try to make the The case. two best quarterbacks in the division? <laughs> yes, this is a very optimistic question. The, the wow. obvious answer is no. Okay? And yeah. hell no is probably the second best answer. But can you make a case? Any kind of case. Try to even talk yourself into it. <laughs> um. They're up against Hoyer. Stidham, yeah, you Darnold, know, Darnold, Josh Allen.
3: No, it's 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 Blacko. basically it basically comes down to what you think about Darnold and Allen. Um, mm-hmm. you know, what do you are you a buyer on them or not? Do you think Fitzpatrick is the better is the better quarterback between those? You know, the three of those guys. And and I'm gonna I'm gonna go with no. I'm gonna go with personally. I mean, I've I've always regarded Josh Allen to be a little bit better than a lot of other people do. I think that he, um, they've sort of built a, an offense and offensive style around him. And yeah, all those jokes,
2: yeah. All the jokes about him, you know, not being accurate, but, you know when yeah, he runs, I mean, not. When he runs for 90 <laughs> yards on you and beats you, like that matters yeah. too. <laughs> well, when
3: he gets touchdowns on you, that's 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 the the pro- the real problem. Yeah. I mean, when when he, at the end of the game,
2: you're making jokes about his accuracy, but his team scored 38 points on you. That's a problem.
3: <laughs> yeah. And and they were, I I thought that they were kind of a consistent offense too. Um. And I think that his his capabilities that way. Um. I think they they contribute a little bit to, you know, consistency being able to being able to put up yards and points. Um, not necessarily a, you know, heavy points, but um, but yeah. I mean, the bottom line is the dude he scored some touchdowns. He scored um, how many touchdowns do you have? Twenty nine. I mean, something like that. Pretty good um yeah so I don't know I, I think that he's I think he's all right he's still a second year guy he's he's still getting better um Sam Darnold you know I don't I don't know where he's gonna end up but I, I'm I'm pretty sure that if you're anybody outside of Miami you'd be like I'll take Sam Darnold over Ryan Fitzpatrick so yeah. uh you know
2: what is also interesting is that Dolphin fans ask this because they summarily dismiss Sam Darnold because, for whatever reason, he sees the Dolphins uniform and decides, "Okay, today's the day I'm throwing five interceptions."
3: Yeah, he's yeah, that's true. Because he's been just horrific against Josh us. Allen, the exact opposite.
2: Yeah, Josh Allen sees the Dolphins he's, uniform and decides, "Okay, I'm going to be Marcus the best Superman quarterback on the planet.
3: against us." Yeah, he's <laughs> yeah. Superman against us, and then I believe he's like,
2: does Darnold have Darnold's played what? Four games against Miami right
3: um that must be by now yeah Yeah,
2: because this is gonna this is gonna be his third season so yeah he's played four games he won one that he didn't deserve which was the game last year that I know we disagree on but I don't think that Nick Needham committed that pass interference but Darnold he might have off the top of my head I'm gonna guess he has 12 interceptions in those four games
3: uh you're you're not far off he has eight Okay. He has he has four touchdowns and eight interceptions in those four games. And he he, he won one of them, like you said. Mm. Um I, you know, for the passer rating, folks, he has a sixty-nine passer rating against us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's pretty bad. Um yeah. adjust, and for the too. adjusted in the adjusted net yards per attempt, folks, uh what what is this? It's like five point two five. <laughs> pretty yeah, wild, he's pretty he's pretty bad. Awful. now do josh allen <laughs> uh i mean yeah josh allen again that's like complete complete opposites bonkers but um but what is he what does he do against us he i mean he destroys us um, he's only lost one game right that's right
2: so he's three and one right
3: uh he is three and one against us Mm-hmm. Uh, he has, <laughs> and the
2: one game that he lost, he was throwing into the end zone, and he was absolutely terrifying in that game. Remember?
3: Can you guess how many, can guess how many touchdowns he has? Yeah, you know, how many touchdowns he has in those four games? I'm gonna guess. I was, uh, let's go, twelve. He has he has thirteen total touchdowns against wow. us in those <laughs> those four games, and he has three interceptions, and That's all it.
2: three belong to Xavier Howard
3: yeah well right <laughs> and, and and well 10 of the touchdowns are passing touchdowns too it's not just you know he does have three rushing touchdowns against us because he, those count and he's he's rushed for 318 yards against us
2: in four games
3: In four games in four games he ran for 318 yards against us you, and he's, are, passed, are you, and he's passed you
2: math miners out there that's a pace of over 1800 yards per 16 games
3: yeah and and, and he's he's thrown for 913 so i mean that's not that's nothing to to laugh at um in a 16 game you know that's that's 3,700 yards passing in a 16 game schedule so um yeah he's he's immaculate against us
2: yeah it's it's odd it's strange now yeah. we, we gotta see what you know stidham is gonna do you know if if his auburn career is any indication oh
3: god you know I'm chris sims says that stidham is uh is more talented than tua
2: yeah I know i saw that but he also rated tua as the worst quarterback in in the nfl yeah which come yeah, on that's, you know hey
3: man like push really- push, your, push your chips into the center of the table that's what chris sims is doing man that's a he's yeah well he's
2: making a pretty strong bet I he think. is
3: i mean i like that he's not shy about it you know, I, I don't. I think he's fucking insane, but I, I, I like that he's not shy about it. He's he's not he's playing shy that cynical game. He's insane. playing
2: that cynical game where he just he can just say, "Well, you know, hey, I was wrong." You know.
3: Yeah, I mean that's that's fine. I mean, yeah, he'll take he'll take the L. He he feels like he can, but um, you know, the risk reward for him is is great because he's so popular. Tua is so popular that if if he does go bust and let's face it, you know, quarterbacks go bust, even if they're popular and everybody thinks mm-hmm. they're awesome. Um, if he does go bust, then he gets to be, you know, he gets, Hey, I was, I was the dude that was, that was right about this. I was the only one saying this or I was one of the only ones saying this and, um, you know, risk, good risk reward there. So, and he doesn't speak. he doesn't like, I know he doesn't like to his body type and that's, that's his main, that's his main issue there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he he's he really just doesn't think Tua is going to be healthy but also he just the more he digs in the more he you know gets steeled into this position um, i just noticed that you know the the arguments start changing and now he's talking so much game about about how Tua is just a creation of the alabama offense and you know stuff like you put anybody in that offense and they would have been you know and immaculate and xmlns no, that ain't it, man. Yeah, uh, as as if Julio Jones it.
2: never existed, or Calvin Ridley, or any right. one of these other great Alabama players before him, O.J. Howard.
3: Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's go on, go on making that argument, but that ain't it. I'm telling you.
2: You know, we're supposed to we're supposed to forget that Joe Burrow just had a, a record 14 draftees and five more as yeah. undrafted free agents. That's yeah, nine. Joe Burrow is
3: throwing a throwing a crap.
2: Yeah. Okay. Nineteen teammates. Okay. Mm-hmm. Nineteen. Only twenty-two. You know, play a lot. Really. <laughs> okay. Nineteen of them just went to the NFL. So. Mm-hmm. So. Oh. Okay. You know, uh, Chris Sims. You know, he's he's carved out his little, little lot in here. So. Yeah. All right. So, you helped us produce the show today, listeners, and we thank you for that because absolutely nothing is happening all right that's it there is no more we gave you an hour and 15 minutes i believe okay with absolutely nothing to talk about in the offseason so be thankful we'll talk to you guys next week
1: thanks for listening to three yards per caddy you can subscribe via itunes on podbean or your usual podcast provider